a state. The return. That's my mind is feeding by a whole known. Asking God to help him, are you hearing me? Girl is telling me she don't know what she want. Lot of demons creeping up the living underneath. Gotta take a minute, y'all trouble fall. Feeling something, no, I can't ignore my instincts. Back just where I started, it's the same old damage song. Trying to find it on the right track Oh, wanna be just for the free act mm, Talk to him, he don't speak back mm, Can't lose, I'm in the third act Lord, seeing me swerve Do this to my loved ones, I've got some nerve Don't think I'm not sorry mm, Give me now, hey, this time I'm ready for it Can't stop this war in me Can't stop this war in me What's going on internet analytic here aka dreams and I would like to welcome you to mine which I call the notorious mass effect podcast I'm a hip-hop slash gaming news source with a little bit of pop culture mixed in For episode 26 we're going to be getting into chance the rapper kid cuddy the game wars 2020 winners and cyberpunk 2077 bugs but of course before that make sure to click the link tree in my bio to access my social medias and follow to keep up with my latest activities. Also, make sure to share this podcast and rate this five stars on Apple Podcasts. This helps the show uh, reach more people so we can grow together and affect the masses. And as far as rating this five stars, those are only for people on Apple Podcasts. But other platforms, I don't know how the rating system works. But always sharing it, well, sharing it always helps on any platform you're listening on. So. Now that we got the intro out of the way, let's switch it up and get into the quote of the pod. Okay, getting into the quote of the pod, we're going to be talking about somebody whose perception of the public, well, not perception of the public, somebody whose public perception has changed drastically over the last three to five years. And there's a reason for that. And so now we're going to go over that reason. And what I'm talking about, for those who don't know, (laughs) is Chance the Rapper being sued by his ex-manager for dropping the worst album of the year. No, I'm just playing. Um, He was sued by his ex-manager for $3 million for allegedly saying he, um, Chance the Rapper, fired him after his lackluster album. Which obviously he goes into detail, which we're going to get over we're gonna uh, go over in this segment so with chance the rapper when i was talking about the public perception the whole idea with that when he first came out and he, he started coming out with these tracks that was not different but it, it was putting him on the same popularity status as almost of a drake because the especially when he came out with I think it was i think it was color i don't want to um misspeak on the album but i mean technically they said it was a mixtape but he put it out on like that piff and all the other mixtape apps and then all of a sudden it was just playable on spotify so it wasn't actually a mixtape it was like an attempt at trying to seem like a independent artist but at the same time not 
but I think I'm getting a little ahead of myself. So the mixtape slash album that I was referring to is the coloring book, which I think is Chance's best album. He or pro let's just say project, because you know nowadays <laughs> people just be throwing names or anything. So this is the best project that he's ever made. For most people who are like Chance the Rapper. Uh, rapper fans they always go to acid rap which i'm i never really listened to that too deeply but i just felt like coloring book was the album where he like arrived and then he went on a j cole kendrick type hiatus not putting out any type of projects so coloring book came out 2016 had the tracks that was going like crazy it was going pretty he had like everybody on it he had kanye lil wayne like this project that he put together with coloring book was one of the was his best in my opinion but moving on from that that came out in 2016 then in 2019 he came out with the album called the big day which to be nice wasn't as um well received as the coloring book <laughs> just to put it in perspective so in that four-year span he went from being compared to drake and people um saying that he would be the next Drake to not completely falling off, but as far as legacy-wise and quality-wise, completely falling off. Like, it still did numbers somewhat, but it didn't do the numbers that the type of... Like, the type of promotion that he was putting on this album, The Big Day, that came out uh, last year, just... It wasn't... It didn't recoup. So the type of promotion he had outweighed, well, the budget, the promotion budget he had outweighed the actual income that came in from the album. Hence why when he went on, when he was trying to go on tour, he ended up canceled. Like you could look this up. Chance the Rapper cancels tour and it, this will all like come up. So he was trying to go on tour, but because of the album being so bad, literally, the perception of the album was so bad was received so like terribly that the sale the ticket sales was affected by it like it took a huge hit and chance the rapper you know he he's probably hearing the noise i know he was hearing the noise because he didn't come out with the album until four years later which is some kendrick j cole type stuff so for him to come out four years later and the, them the public to receive his album like this and then his ticket sales to take a hit he was probably just thinking like Man, they were saying I was going to be the next Drake and now they like hate me. <laughs> so he came out and gave a statement saying that I forget what type of statement he said, like because COVID wasn't even a thing back then. So he said some statement like. I don't even know. He, he, he said something like the sound stage wasn't right or the type of show he was wanting uh, wouldn't fit in the in the arena. Like he was coming up with some crazy excuses, like some wild out of left field type excuses like that type of you know that uh, fight off a street fighter that stretches like like he was going for those type of reaches like nobody believed him at all like it was it was pretty uh obvious that he was lying so um apparently he was lying even to his manager or his ex-manager because he came out and said that he was blamed for his poor performance of the 2019 studio well they call this a studio debut but it really wasn't um, but basically he was the, his ex-manager was blamed for his poor performance on the big day, which he says is not his fault. So 
he said that Chance the Rapper really owes him three million in unpaid commissions because of revenue from touring, streaming, and album sales and merchandise. So that may seem confusing for people. Like he did, you just say he didn't go on tour, so he didn't go on tour. But his manager is suing him for the money that he could have made going on tour from that album if you would have, because cause his whole. We're going to get into it. Like we're gonna, I'm going to talk about the whole overview. But basically his whole claim is that Chance the Rapper didn't listen to his advice. Dropped a terrible album. It was terribly received. And so he ended up canceling his tour. And been in neg- negatively af- affecting like everything else that he had going on music wise. And then he ended up using his manager as the scapegoat so his manager is trying to sue for what he could have made if he would have listened to him which is a weird it's one of the weirdest lawsuits you will probably see in hip-hop even though hip-hop lawsuits are pretty weird so i don't know that's why that's i don't know if i've said that before but that's reason why when rappers like this get when they get their first deal or they get their first paycheck they always put some not some they put a lot to the side for like really top of the line lawyers because hip-hop artists it's just the facts like hip-hop artists are targeted by police and and other companies because of their you know the way that they because of their lifestyle like just to put it plainly their lifestyle is different from other artists like they some artists actually live the way they rap most of them don't most of all of them don't but for the ones that do you see either getting locked up or unfortunately passing away but i don't know why i went on that tangent basically what i was trying to say was the manager is behind a lot of the behind the scenes stuff and if you don't have a good manager and you if you definitely don't have a good lawyer then your career is not going anywhere going anywhere so this lawsuit's not too crazy in my opinion So he came out with a bunch of statements talking about the album and he was okay so basically he was saying the album was <laughs> he said he told him not to put out that imagine your manager coming to you and, and just trying to break it to you that your album ain't it so you, you're trying to put out an album that you think is like the greatest thing ever and then your manager's trying to find uh, figure out the nicest way to tell you that that's trash like you need to keep that like they don't don't let that go out to the public <laughs> like ima- imagine your manager really trying to break it down to you like that but so chance the rapper's manager was saying that because of acid rap and coloring book he said that his partnership with chance the rapper remains strong because you know those those albums was projects was great because back then it was mixtapes was a thing back then so it was it was more respectable to put it out on those type of platforms so the mixtape acid rap and 10 day and then following up with the mixtape slash album and coloring book definitely um proved that chance was here to stay so his manager claimed the relationship was great around that time like everything was great when it was going good and it was he was saying this because of the significant amount of work that he put in and the care and attention that he needed uh that he put on his album on not albums but he put on making his albums receive the best way so he's taking a lot of credit for these projects basically saying that he was a part of it too like he was the mastermind behind it which 
in the interviews like if you go look up interviews back in uh 2015 2016 which i don't know if people do this but interviews are pretty interesting like just listening to how artists think and how they explain what why they do certain things it's pretty interesting and sometimes it's, it's worth going back like i still go back to that drake interview he did with El elliot and b dot so with chance the rappers interviews back in the day you, you will see his manager which i don't know his name i don't know his name they're not saying okay they, they, his name is kokorian Kor Kor or Kor Kor i don't know yeah we're just gonna call him ex-manager so he was in the background of the interviews and whenever chance would speak on him like if the, a question was asked about his manager he would speak glowingly about him and just over ex not over explain but like just over show basically he he would show that he was a huge part of the project so his manager is not making this up but maybe chance didn't want him to think that he was more than what he thought he was because i mean he bigged him up in all the interviews that i saw when his name was brought up like his manager's name was brought up but as far as in general or as far as now he's probably rethinking that just a little bit and his ex-manager is explaining why so he came out and said that the big day did have some positive reviews which if somebody could find that for me i would be I would gladly like to see that because I didn't see any I didn't see any type of good reviews for the big day. All I saw was memes about Chance loving his wife, which isn't the worst thing to to get criticism over. But apparently it rubbed Chance the wrong way as he was trying to get across a different message. Only in hip hop would you get scrutinized for having too much positivity in your album, like only hip hop. But I think it's also the way he structured his songs. Like it's not, it's not the most replayable. Like he doesn't have that replayability uh, factor, and he doesn't rap that well for it, for it not to be the case, you know. So, like people like Kendrick, when he came out with "To Pimp a Butterfly," it didn't have the best replayability, except for some songs. But you didn't really care that much because he could rap, and the reason why it didn't have too much replay replayability was because his slow songs and he was really getting off what he wanted to get off because he had something to say and it, it was mostly stories and, and stuff connecting to his life and with chance the rapper not so much like if you listen to hot shower off of the big day just know that he he didn't have uh, a variety of subjects to get into on that album he was just saying whatever so his ex-manager was fired in April 2020 because of the album and other stuff. And then he said that the ex-manager said that Chance gave his uh, responsibilities over to his father and brother. So he kept it in the family. And he said that they had little to no experience in the music industry, which might have been uh, true. He said he tried to reach out to Chance the Rapper multiple times, but he never really... Uh, they were really not they didn't ever get to this get on the same page and they chance the rapper refused to pay his ex-manager for under the party's uh long standing standing agreement and well uh settled course of conduct so with these lawsuits well just one one that contains multiple 
the ex-manager is claiming that Chance the Rapper's father did come to him with like they tried to come to an agreement and offered him 350000 for his services. <laughs> so that compared to $3 million, he probably thought it was a slap in the face, which is probably why, well most likely why he filed this lawsuit. And then Chance the Rapper's team, to sum this all up, at the end of the day, Chance the Rapper's team came out and said Mr. Kokorian or whatever his name is has filed a suit for allegedly. This is like a quote. So it's not. I'm, yeah, this is a quote. I don't know if I said that already. <laughs> but Mr. Kokorian or whatever his name is has filed a suit for allegedly unpaid commissions. In fact, ex-manager. Well, it doesn't say X-Men. I'm not reading this whole thing. Basically, <laughs> basically, Chance the Rapper's team said that the X-Manager is lying and he's already been compensated. So, I mean, what else are they supposed to say? He, he's right and we should pay him $3 million? Like, these people just be... that. Like, they just put out lawsuits just to cover their own, you know. So, with the X-Manager, it's, it's not... It's nothing that's going to get really settled. Because you can't really sue a rapper for the album being trash and you thinking the album should have made this much when they only made this much, so you should get paid this much. Like, it doesn't work like that. You get paid for whatever the contract says you get paid for. Like, usually nowadays, whenever a contract is involved, you really have to make sure you know the terms and agreements because if they really try to, because some contracts purposely try to confuse you. Like, and then when you sign it, those confusing parts. Uh, surprisingly starts to come to light when you get further down the line like you start to figure out what this word actually meant with this word and then the whole thing just you think you're in the three year and it turns out to be like a five or six year so yeah I don't really feel too much for the for the ex-manager I mean him getting him basically being the scapegoat for Chance the Rapper's Big Day album didn't doesn't sound like the greatest of circumstances for him but at the same time, with Chance the Rapper, I mean, he was getting married and and it probably took a lot from going from that to the album. Like the energy, it was just probably different. Like he was literally in the phase of getting engaged while making this album. So it makes it makes sense why it, his wife was involved in the, in the album so much. I mean, if you was making the album while you was getting engaged... If you're an artist, usually you use your emotions to make great records. Those uh, emotions of being engaged was just heavily in the heart of Chance the Rapper, which is why his album came out the way it did. And it's not the worst topic in the world, but at the same time, you have to put catchy or just you just have to put good music behind the message and people will receive it better. And that's just that's just unfortunately that that just didn't happen with chance the rapper so yeah but click my link tree in my bio let me know what do you think of chance the rappers the big day album and do you think his ex-manager ex-manager should get paid and that's all i really have for chance the rapper hopefully he gets well and and overcomes the, the i love my wife jokes so let's switch it up and get into music Okay, getting into music, we're going to talk about somebody that I usually don't listen to, like, ever. <laughs> but for some reason this year, 
I just took a liking to his music a lot more and just felt like I missed out on certain albums and the reason for that is just because this is the third iteration of the actual series and I like this album so much that I actually put it in my top five of the year like it's up there I would say it's number two because I still think the Weeknd's album is the best with After Hours but what I'm talking about is Kid Cudi's Man on the Moon 3. So Kid Cudi came out with a brand new album this year. Of course his fans was excited. He's not one of those that don't release music often. Well, he's not one of those that just release music and go away for forever. But this iteration or just latest installment of this series, it has been a while, which cause I believe Man on the Moon came out in 2009. And then the sequel, Man on the Moon 10, uh, not Moon, Man on the Moon 2 came out in 2010. So, that was only a year apart. This album, Man on the Moon 3, came out in 2020. So, it's more than, but not more than, it's like exactly a decade. It's exactly a decade after, um, The Man on the Moon 2, and a little over a decade after The Man on the Moon. The reason that I say like I feel like I missed out on the past his past projects was because this album was very different than what I'm used to hearing from artists like in that realm. The only thing I can compare him to would be a Travis Scott, but he's the one who created this sound. So when I figured that out, that's what made me feel like I missed out on his original albums. Which, in 2009 and 2010, I wasn't the most into music like that. Like, it was, I wasn't, so I'm not too, like, bummed I missed out on it. But it still made me feel like this iteration of the series was, like, a ongoing thing. thing. Because I even go back to Man on the Moon and songs like Day and Night still is relevant to this, to this day. So, with Man on the Moon 3, the reason that Kid on... Kid Cudi uh, labeled this Man on the Moon 3 because he he revealed that he was working on this throughout his throughout the past his 2019 like passion pain and like something else album and then the album before that he was working on this album Man on the Moon Man on the Moon 3 and he, he said he really understood that this was another man on the moon album when he made tequila shots which is why which is why is the first track off the album well after the intro of course but you know what i'm saying and then also when he was speaking with zane lowe in the apple music interview kikuddy was saying that travis was a key part in him even like being more confident with the album because travis scott said quote man your raps I love when you rap. So, I would think that Kid Cudi being the one who created that sound wouldn't hold as much weight. And people like Travis who kind of took the sound and just used it for his own. You know, it's kind of one of those things like when you create something and you create the sound, it'd be kind of hard to listen to somebody who's literally an offspring of you. Like literally only sounds like that because you did it first. So, 
but Travis Scott is doing it pretty well in my opinion so I think he I think you should listen to him but holding as much weight as to name it man on the moon three because Travis Scott gave you more confidence in it it's pretty interesting to hear so the track list for man on the moon three is about 18 really 17 songs because the first uh, beautiful trip is an intro so it's not really a song so it's, it's about 17 songs on this album the only features on here is Skepta which is a UK artist, Pop Smoke, and Trippy, well, Phoebe uh, Bridgers, and Trippy Trippy Red. And just get into, so I'm gonna go by this track by track because this is honestly one of my favorite projects of the year. And I'm just, why did it come out so late? The only reason I could think that this album would come out come out at the time it did is because he's trying to avoid when drake drops like because if you think about it if he drops it right now it gives it a week or two to rack up sales and then when it gets into january all the hype is going to be about when's drake going to drop because drake has to drop on one of those january weekends so every weekend until he announces the album because people are going to think it's a he's not going to surprise drop his album but fans think that artists do that for some reason but Jan- when January comes around, it's going to be all about when is Drake's album dropping. So Kid Cudi dropping right now makes sense. But I wonder if this could have came out earlier this year or was this the time he actually wanted to put it out? Because with COVID, I feel like it pushed everything back. Like I felt like Kendrick, Cole and Drake were all going to drop this year. COVID came and pushed everything back. So this is after the deadline of the 2020 Grammy. So it's Man on the Moon 3, a Kid Cudi attempt at taking over the 2021 Grammys. Like, that's the way I think. Like, the, the way that artists drop, they don't just drop just to be like, oh, I feel like putting out music. They drop strategically to get certain awards and to be the drop in a time span that gives them the best opportunity to get awards in the future. And with Kid Cudi dropping right now, it's kind of setting the tone and for 2021 basically saying that I'm here trying to I'm trying to get Grammys for this album which I believe he he should like following up this album would be pretty hard and the only reason I bring up Drake and artists like that is because Kid Cudi when you create a sound and when you create other artists who use your song uh, sound you're in that era I would not era you're in that realm of artists like Drake rapping and singing he wasn't the first one Kanye did it a lot which is why Kanye's in that realm too so I would say Kid Cudi Kanye and then probably Future and Migos as far as the sound of music the influence of the sound of music I would say Kid Cudi Kanye Future and Migos because everybody, whether whoever rapper or artist, it doesn't have to be a rapper. Whatever artist you listen to is influenced by that. And I left Drake out of that because Drake is really influenced by Kanye. Like Kanye did all that singing and rapping. But because he was a producer first, more of the credit goes to Drake. Getting back into Man on the Moon 3 though, called The Chosen. Like I said, it's an 18-track album starts off with beautiful trip now the intro was pretty nice it set the tone 
Um, and then you get into tequila shots, which he was saying was the reason he even labeled this Man on the Moon 3. Because when he listened back to tequila shots, and then he also had Kanye in the room, which was funny. In the interview, he said that whenever he'll tr- uh, play something, like he could like it, everybody else could love it, be nodding their head to it. And then if Kanye comes in and says that he doesn't like it, then he's just going to scrap the song. Which I thought was crazy. Like, I mean, I know Kanye's like legendary. Like, he's kind of considered like not exactly the Michael Jackson of the era of this era, but just the impact-wise, he has that type of feel. So, with Kid Cudi saying that whenever Kanye say he doesn't like a song, he immediately scraps it. I thought that was pretty funny. So, Tequila Shots was a very nice track and and just a solid opening that set the tone for the album. Which I knew I was gonna like it as soon. I, I knew I was gonna like it as soon as I got the She Knows This, but that's jumping ahead a little bit. Which also, you probably heard the Tequila Shots record at the beginning of the pod for the intro. So you you heard how like how he was coming on the first track of the album. And then getting into three, another day, another another day is another solid track off of this i'm not even gonna say solid it's, it's a great track off of this because i think this whole album is very complete in the way it, it um is synchronized and just the cohesion of the whole project is, is very well thought out and, and, and fleshed out so another day is a great track and then you get to track number four and this is where i knew that this album was different from any other albums that came out this year besides the weekend i think the weekend still holds the number one spot but this album just came out so late that i can't put it in a number one spot because it's like i got to sit with the weekend's album and i still feel the same way i uh that i did when it first came out so maybe sometime in 2021 like february i'll look back and be like maybe it was number one but for right now i just put it at number two because it just came out and i don't want to be trapped in the moment but i feel like she knows this is is not the best song but top three best songs of of 2020 and just the beat and just the 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 way he was rapping and the way he switched to flow like he literally sound like you it sounded like there was two or three different artists on the track at the same time and it kind of gave me that juice world feeling when he was playing off of the he was playing off of himself like he would rap and then he would come in with another uh cadence with the chorus, not even the chorus he would come in with another cadence with the bridge and then come in with another cadence with the chorus so the way it went from verse to bridge to chorus was very obvious and, and just very prevalent in this in this track like it was just great and as a whole i believe this is the best track off the album and that's the very first snippet that's the very first snippet i'm gonna play right now so you can hear she knows she knows this by kid cuddy scott let it go don't give him the satisfaction what if i want the satisfaction I hate to pause it, but 
I kind of wanted to just play the intro and then I'm gonna get into the, the the part of the song that I like the best because I really like this whole song. Like, I'll let this whole thing rock if I want, if I, uh, if I really wanted to, but I want to play the, my favorite part of the, of the track when I was talking about with the verse and bridge and the chorus. So we're going to get into that right now. So as you can hear, the way he played off of, each, uh, of, of himself, like literally played off of himself, which is the whole thing why Drake kept, when Drake, I don't want to keep comparing this to Drake, but when he was coming out and, and doing that rapping, singing thing, he would say that every track sounded like Drake featuring Drake because he did this. It, it was different cadences coming in, playing off of um, the verses he was laying. Like he would lay one layer and then come over that layer with with uh, ad-libs just building off of the momentum and it'll be two or three you'll feel like it's two or three people when it's just one so hopefully it made sense that was my favorite track off the album i think that was the best and i didn't even play the best part that was just my favorite part so that was like because this whole beat switches up like sickle mode style so that was the faster version of the beat the, the slower version was even greater in the um the field but I may I may come back to that. I may play that later, but getting back into the actual project. We're gonna get into number five. So coming off of straight off the She Knows This track, number five, Dive. That's a great track as well. Very um I don't know the word for it. Like it is very melodic. I think melodic is the word I was going for. Like Kit Cuddy is literally the person that embodies melodic rap the best because you have Travis Scott and you have other people like a trippy red but they're all influenced from Kid Cudi even Kanye said he was influenced from Kid Cudi so when you hear songs like this like she knows this and songs like dive coming right after that you just get a feel that of you just finally understand kind of what they saw in Kid Cudi. Moving on from track number five, getting to number six called Damage. This is also my second, well, I don't know if my second, I don't really have a list like that. I just know she knows this is my favorite. But number six, Damage. That's one of my favorite tracks off of this album. Uh, also have a snippet for this. And I just think that this song is very, it's just very smooth in, in the way that it's is very the, the the structure is not too complex it, it's a simple 
single type structured verse chorus verse but the premise and the topic of it is very um it's just it's great <laughs> the, the topic is great the way he delivers it is great and i'm gonna play the snippet so y'all can actually uh hear what i'm referring to but this is why i this is why damage is one of my favorite tracks off the album you can hear that right now so as you heard it goes from the verse to the bridge to the chorus very simple strong uh, song structure and but the the subject matter is what makes it so great so damage is, is just a great premise to make a track off of and the way he does it and the, the way he puts it the way he puts it in the in the song he he does it in a way that is not i want to say it's not normal because we we've heard it before but <laughs> Keep going back to the influence. We heard it first with him. So you give him a little bit more leeway with how he uses the sound that he created. So moving on to track number seven, Heaven on Earth. That's a great track as well. Very uh, nice and strong vocals in, in the middle. Well, in the middle of the of the track, I feel like stood out on, on Heaven on Earth. Uh, track number eight, Show Out by Kid Cudi, Skepta and Pop Smoke. I think this is the first time that I felt like now it didn't dip off but it, it wasn't as impactful as I thought it was gonna be so it's not really too much you can do with pop smoke because you know he passed away so what his vocals or whatever vocals that he have that like that's what it is you can't really be like okay say this or, or try to change that like only the engineer can really change as much as the vocals that he possibly can with using Pro Tools but this track, I don't really think that Pop Smokes and Kid Cudi's, it's not like the vocals didn't mesh because it did, but I thought it would be, I thought it would have been a, a greater combination of the two styles. And that's all I really have for that. Skepta did his thing. I really liked his verse. So, track number nine, Mr. Solo Dolo, three. Um, I thought this was another standout. I really like this track. It, it was. Obviously, it's, it's playing off of something. I don't know what, when the other two came out. I would think it came out Man on the Moon 1 and 2. So, Mr. Solo 3, uh, Mr. Solo Dolo 3, I thought it was a great standout on the track, on the album. And it, it definitely um, 
kept the feeling alive after coming off the Pop Smoke track. So, uh, number 10, Sad People. I thought that was another great track. Uh, the subject matter was on point. It's just... It's just because when, when somebody actually is talking about something, it's easier to listen to an 18-track album. Where, on the other hand, like, somebody just rapping just to rap, it's harder to get through that long project. But Kid Cudi was actually touching on sensitive topics that e everyday people go through. Track number 11, you get to Elsie's, uh, Elsa's Baby Boy. I think it was a flashback. Oh, no, okay, it says flashback, but I'm pretty sure that was a whole song. So... I think that started off with like a little skit and then it went into the song and I like that song it, it was different this song was the most different out of all the other tracks and it's not a bad thing it's just it was just different and I liked it so um, I think that was a good track track number 12 September uh, 16th that was another great track and then you get into 13 the void this is one that a lot of people on social media is taking a liking to they're really saying that they felt the void on like a personal deep level which personally i thought it was a great song but as long as it's but as far as like it touching my soul or personally talking to me i don't know about all that so <laughs> track number 14 loving me featuring uh phoebe bridgers hopefully i'm saying saying her name right i know i'm probably not i thought that was a solid track solid to good track uh, get into 15, The Pale Moonlight. It was when the, the, the album started to slow down, you know, it was coming to an end. And The Pale Moonlight was pretty good, though. And then we get to 16. And this one, I was like, I did not expect this out. I did not expect this track to be as good as it was. I was expecting the Pop Smoke track to be like this track. Which, the styles are not really intertwined but the way that trippy goes first and then kid cuddy plays off of that and then the beat switches up and then kid cuddy goes again i thought that was very uh a nice i think it was a very simple way to to come at their collab but it worked in it worked because of the the sounds that they both have so with trippy red singing and rapping the way he does he, he was able to fit that pocket that kid cuddy could just build off of towards the end of the track so I actually have a snippet of Trippy Red's verse and you can hear what I'm talking about right now. I'm in Tony's. I'm in Tony's. Yeah. <laughs> Rockstar life, dim the lights, baby, I don't wanna do this. I'm old, but so I ain't worried about nobody, I'm ruthless. Paying 20 for a damn gram Now I can't leave the plug without a pound in my hand Boy, we know you're not a thug without a doubt in my head 
So as you hear, or as you heard, Trippy Red did his thing on the on the track. Definitely came with his best performance. I think came with his best efforts, trying to give Kid Cudi something that he could use for his album. And he ended up making the album, and I thought it was a very, very solid track. Um, I, I think it was a standout, one of my favorites. And I just like what I especially like what Kid Cudi did at the end. I mean, obviously, if I played the whole track, we'll be here. Like, honestly, I would play like five or six songs off of this album. But I try to pick three that kind of different from each other just to give a whole overview of the album, which I think has worked so far as far as like y'all feed y'all's feedback. But with Rockstar Nights, it was a great it was a great collab. Like. I didn't expect it to be that good so maybe it's because i came in with low expectations and it was better than i thought but i don't know and then 17 for the kids that's when you knew it was slowing down and then no, track number 18 lord i know i think it was a great way to send the album off because it said to be continued which i don't know if that's a deluxe or does that mean that man on the moon four so it's a very vague generic type send-off well not not like in a bad way but just it's a very vague send-off as like just leaves you wondering more and then that just that just completed the album for me it was just like yeah this was a great body of work like it was it was a lot of thought put into this album just to, from the cover art to the way that he was rapping slash singing slash mumbling in the only way that kid cuddy kid uh can Oh, and slash humming. People love when he hum over beats. I don't know what's up with that, but I mean, it, it works. <laughs> so, Man on the Moon 3 was a very, very great album. I think my, not my favorite of 2020 because I still like the weekends after hours over this, but I would have to like, if I, if I give it some more time, maybe Man on the Moon 3 will end up being my favorite track or my favorite album of 2020. I don't know. But yeah, so uh, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know what do you think of Man on the Moon 3 and what is your favorite track? Because I already know my favorite track is She Knows This. And matter of fact, I'm actually going to play the part of She Knows This that I thought was actually the best. Because I played my personal favorite part of the album. Oh, not album, part of the track. But I'm actually going to play the part that I think that was... Uh, well received by the actual social media so here's my favorite track again she knows this and this is the part that everybody seemed to take a liking to so here we go right Let's see if i can find it she knows this. yeah they got double cups okay yeah here we go right here I'm gonna play the part that everybody liked on the internet and then we're gonna switch it up a little bit and get into gaming. So I'm ending off with this track. Here we go step in. And we go test up. Yeah, they got double cuffs. So me and my boo got two fat blunts. Roll it up. Talk about do, I give two, give two, why? But we know true. Talk all the hoes, burning the burn clips. Now listen, wow, baby, let me set it off. In your itty bitty, can't it's such a vision off? You my fix, use your head, and forever wrong. Working at your sweaty body, love to see it go. Take a ride if you like, let's see. Do whatever you like, and we. Yeah. On a mission tonight, ooh. 
live a hell of a life Someone say they saw that man Hey, and this ain't no way no controlling him Hey, yeah, it's a myth Up in this, don't take a flicks Come at the treacherous bottom of this pit Yeah, I'm reborn in my life, it's just happened Go! Yeah, and she see me, she knows this Yeah, and she screaming, she knows this Okay, getting into gaming, we're going to talk about something that was pretty controversial in the gaming industry, or just the gaming field, from the fans, to the hardcore fans, to the fans that only play Madden 2K and Call of Duty, to the people who play indie games only, to the people who get mad at every gamer who doesn't 100% their games and spend the whole day trying to beat a 300 hour game <laughs> so basically all the gaming fans was uh paying attention to this event that came on and lasted for about three hours i believe it's a very long show and what i'm actually talking about as you probably know by now is the game awards 2020 winners were announced during the uh, showcase and people were not mad but just a lot of people were saying rigged and at the same time a lot of people were saying that they didn't really like the game awards don't really matter that much you know it was kind of like that grammys effect like when the grammys mess up people be like grammys don't matter and then grammys award the favorite game or favorite artists are like grammys always get or no grammys got it right you know grammys are great you know it, it's very a uh, a seesaw type of effect so just getting into the game awards and, and getting into all the winners we're going to start from, yeah, we're just going to go through the list and then get into, uh, we're going to end off with the game of the year and we're going to end off with that, uh, what, I th what I thought about that. So getting into the actual list, it, it went for best esports team. I'm just going to skip some of these because I don't care too much. So uh, G2, uh, G2 Esports League of Legends won best esports team. Um, skipping... Uh, yeah, skipping esports host because I don't know how to pronounce that. Best esports game, League of Legends won that. I could probably I could speak on that. Um, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, Counter Strike, Global Offensive, Fortnite, and Valorant was the other nominees. League of Legends won, and I'm not mad at that because League of Legends is literally has literally been around for I think decades. So that should so that should speak for itself. <laughs> Uh, best esports event went to League of Legends, of course, World Championship 2020. Best esports coach, um, Danny Zonic Sorensen, CSGO. Best esports esports. I'm just like I'm just getting through the ones that I don't really have too much to speak on, but I'm gonna speak on like some of these. We're gonna talk about. Them. <laughs> but best esports athlete, uh, showmaker Sue League of Legends. Best debut game. Asmophobia, uh, content creator of the year of Valkyrie. I and now I actually saw her speech. The speech was pretty funny when she was giving her. You would think as a, I don't know, as a streamer, you would think you would be able to. Basically, I thought her speech would be kind of more well thought out and <laughs> put together, but it was nice she won. Okay, getting into best multiplayer game, Among Us won. So that was a huge win for them as the nominees had some 
pretty huge games in it like animal crossing new horizons call of duty warzone that i think just like that what did it blow up this year i think it just blew up this year call of duty warzone if i'm not mistaken fall guys ultimate knockout valorant well and valorant so those were the other nominees and among us won so valorant could have could have won uh animal crossing could have definitely won and warzone was a huge um it really every game on this list could have won so for among us to win i think that was a huge win because i think among us started off as like a mobile game which you can still play it on mobile but it's one of those that it's an indie game so you ne never really know if it has to connect or if it's done enough to win these type of awards which apparently it did so congrats to among us because i really enjoyed the game best sports slash racing i don't know why these two categories are put together but anyways Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 plus 2 1. I don't know how that worked. But, anyways, uh, best sim slash strategy. Microsoft Flight Simulator 1, which I actually saw some trailers and gameplay footage of the Microsoft Flight Simulator, and it literally looked like real life. So, I'm surprised that they got the game to look that great when it's just a video game. Like, it literally looks realistic. So, they did a great job with that, so I'm not surprised that they're winning. Best family game, Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm glad they gave that uh, game at least one award <laughs> because we're going to get into it. Uh, the, the rest of these was taken up by one specific game. So with the best family award going to Animal Crossing New Horizons, definitely well-deserved. Best fighting game, of course, went to Mortal Kombat. I mean, do they even make other fighting games? No, I'm just joking. But anyways... Uh, best role-playing game, Final Fantasy VII Remake, and I would say that this is a very solid win for Final Fantasy VII. I was going to say easy win, but I see Genshin Impact, and I know a lot of people like that game, and especially the Persona 5 fans, they would like probably riot and like send messages if, if I said it was an easy win, but... So Final Fantasy 7 has some competition, but at the end of the day, it's Final Fantasy 7. So getting into best action slash adventure. So we had Assassin's Creed Valhalla, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales, Ori and the Will of Wisp, and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And then you have the last of us part two now i remember when i went over this list talking about who i thought would win or who i wanted to win i wanted star wars jedi fallen order to win just because it's the only nomination that it got and it, it seemed like it missed the deadline for the last game award so i thought they would try to make it up for this one but apparently not since they gave the award to the last of us part two which we're gonna get into the the last of it well i guess we're gonna get into it now the Last of Us Part 2 won six, I believe, six or seven awards in the Game Awards show. Six or seven. Developers, ex-developers coming out saying that they can't eat, can't sleep because they working on this game and because they the, the company won't let them take any breaks and, and everybody else, when the game finally came out, said the story was just trash. And it won six to seven awards. I don't know how that happened, but it, it seemed like it was a, it was a, um, what was that game that you was like a UPS deliverer? 
I forget. It was like aliens and oh, I forget the name. I'm trying to remember it. That's how I forget. Like it was a Kojima game, I think. Kojima. Yeah, I think it was a Kojima game. Kojima. I don't know. Whatever. That game uh, seemed like it got the same treatment as The Last of Us Part Two. Well, Last of Us Part Two got a way more, uh, a, a way bigger treatment, a much like a better treatment than than uh, that game did, because they won way more than uh, that Kojima game did. So, oh, Death Stranding. That's what the game was called. I think the game was called Death Stranding. I don't know. I I didn't look it up. I just I just thought about it. But if that's not the right game, I believe it was Death Stranding, and Kojima made it. And I think I don't know how many wars they got, but I know they didn't win nearly as much as The Last of Us Part Two did. So that was unfortunate. Well, not that they didn't win any awards, but that The Last of Us Part Two is just getting the same treatment as Kojima. So whenever they whenever Naughty Dog puts out a game, just look out for the Game Awards to give them every award they possibly can. Getting into best action game, Hades won this. The other, um, the other nominees was Doom, Eter uh, Doom Eternal, Half Life, uh, Alex, uh, Neo. Uh, no, uh, no, I think it's Neo. Neo Two, Streets of Rage Four, and the winner was Hades. Innovation, innovation, and accessibility. Um, I don't really know how they even qualified this type of category and what type of like did you just have to have all the settings in the world of innovation and accessibility like if that's the case then I would see it being a clear winner because this is it that would be that's pretty like factual like is the do you go into settings and does, does people like critique their settings like I don't know how that works but anyways the last of us part two won that as well best VR slash AR game went to half-life alex and the other nominees was dreams marvels iron man vr star wars squ uh, squadrons and the walking dead saints and sinners i believe this should have went to marvels of iron man uh, uh, vr and the only reason like i say that is because i seriously think that that game should have won because i'm i'm biased so um going on to best community support uh we have the winner being fall guys ultimate knockout which i've never played fall guys i think i've seen a couple clips from the game it doesn't look like my cup of tea as it, it looks like a certain game that only like kids will play which i know it's pretty ignorant to say that because i haven't played it but like at the same time like it has a pretty kiddish type um look to it so the other nominees was Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Fortnite, No Man's Sky, and Valorant. I'm surprised No Man's Sky is even on this list. Best community support for No Man's Sky? Like, then No Man's Sky fans leave like after the first week? We're not going to talk about that, huh? Uh, best mobile game. One of my favorite awards given out, and it was to Among Us, because I really like that game. I just like when indie games make something... Well, just the story of Among Us is very intriguing to me because it's just a person coming from, not a person, it's a group of indie developers coming from the bottom and literally competing with AAA titles in the Game Awards. And to actually win is a huge plus for them. And the other nominees they, they won Among Us won against was Call of Duty Mobile, Genshin Impact, Legends of 
Runterra and Pokemon C Cafe mix. So Call of Duty Mobile and Genshin Impact was uh, a huge, um, probably was a huge favorite to win. And for Among Us to win over those two just shows the impact that Among Us had. Getting into best indie, you have Carry On, Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout, Hades Splunky 2, and Spirit Fairer. Uh, Hades won this category. I'm surprised Among Us wasn't in this as I, I believe it qualifies as an indie game if I'm not mistaken. Moving on to the other category, going into best ongoing game, you had Apex Legends, Call of Duty Warzone, Destiny 2, Fortnite, and the winner was No Man's Sky. So the best ongoing game is a game that the, the community left in week one. So I guess they changed up the game for the fans to come back because I don't see how else they would win that uh, category. Definitely, I think ongoing games should definitely have went to Fortnite because Fortnite's the biggest, literally changed the, the gaming atmosphere when it came out. Not as far as like gameplay wise, just as far as like impact and the reach. Games for impact. We have If Found, Kentucky Route Zero TV Edition, Spirit Fair, uh, Through the Darkest of Times, and then the winner was Tell Me Why, which I don't have too much to say about that because I don't know anything about any of those games. Best Performance. Oh, this was my, I thought this was the most interesting uh, list of, of nominees because I thought this was very heavily, um, like it was anybody on this list I thought could have won. So you had Ashley Johnson as Ellie, The Last of Us Part 2 went, which if you go to my Last of Us Part 2 review, uh, and like you just look it up, Last of Us Part 2, Mass Effect, I should pop up. Um, I really talked about how Ellie's voice actor was very unique and it reminded me of the Kratos voice actor because it was just so rich in how the lines was delivered. It, you could tell it was a difference in... in other video games like we've all heard vo a bad voice acting before so when you hear great voice acting like ellie did or ashley Doc johnson did as ellie it just stands out a lot more then you had laura bailey as abby you had Desuku. <laughs> yeah i'm definitely not saying that name we had the ghost of tashima uh voice actor who played Jin, and you had Najee jeter as Miles Morales, voice actor for Miles Morales, and you had Logan Cunningham, the voice actor for Hades. And the winner surprisingly went to Laura Bailey as Abby, which I know I just said that every person on this list could have won, but I thought it was gonna go to Ashley Johnson, just to be honest. So, but I'm not mad at it at, at it going to Abby. The Last of Us Part Two is one of the most polished games. That came out this year like looking at how cyberpunk 2077 is being received which we're gonna let's believe we're gonna get into the uh that that game and and how it's doing but the last of us part two it makes you respect it more and just re makes you respect games like that who who take their time to to craft something for the consumers that's not crashing on them every three seconds Getting into best audio design, I already knew it was I, like I, I called this my uh, when I was going over the list. Like I didn't even have any second thoughts. The winner, The Last of Us Part Two, won best audio design, and I don't even think it was close. Last of Us Part Two has some of the best audio that I've like. Cause I watched the game, so for those thinking like I didn't play the game, I watched it. 
and for me to notice that the audio cues and, and and for when you went into some rooms and certain animations it was just like everything had a little animation to it like every little thing you do it reminded me of a rockstar type game the level of detail put into the last of us part two best best score in music i don't care about that too much but i'm glad final fantasy 7 won that uh best art direction went to ghost of tashima which i'm surprised by that because uh sekiro had this didn't sekiro have like the same type of art style but i guess not since they gave it to ghost of tashima uh maybe sekiro won it last year too maybe they just like the uh japan type the orange leaves everywhere type art you know because I be- that was done in Sekiro. I know that for a fact. Uh, best narrative. Last of Us Part 2 won Best Narrative. Which is surprising. Because a lot of people didn't like the story. But I guess the Game Awards said. We don't really care about the people's. Uh, opinions when it comes to that. Because it beat out Ghost of Tsushima. Which is a completely new. Ghost of Tsushima is a completely new IP. That blew up the way it did. And then. They give best narrative to something that's a, a, a branch off of an original game. Like, you already have the foundation set. You just have to expand upon it. And a lot of the fans thought they didn't expand upon it at all and just killed off the best character and just didn't really give a, a reason to why. So, whatever. Uh, I think Ghost of Tsushima should have won best narrative, but that went to The Last of Us Part 2. As long as... As well as these other... Awards with best game direction went to The Last of Us Part 2. And then, of course, the ultimate award that's saved to the very end of the show that everybody stays to see and, and just wants to just wants their favorite game to get this uh accolade went to The Last of Us Part 2. So the game of the year went to The Last of Us Part 2, beating out Hades, Ghost of Tsushima, Final Fantasy 7 Remake, Doom Eternal. And Animal Crossing New Horizons. So just to summarize the whole thing. This was basically The Last of Us Part 2. Featuring some other games. Like the amount of awards The Last of Us Part 2 got or received. Was very telling in how the the game awards work. As far as uh, certain companies. A.K.A. Kojima and A.K.A. Naughty Dog. So which not to say they could put out any game and get these awards but if they put out a game that they expect to to be in that game of the year type um nomination list then they will let you know like they will literally say like oh this game of the year edition like i think last of us part two literally put that out before these came out so yeah that that's pretty interesting and how this whole thing played out but as far as the game Awards show as a whole i thought it was pretty great they put out they pulled out a lot of uh, notable celebrities to, to give their takes on how they relate to gaming. You know, like Tom Holland, um, Bria Larson, uh, Gal Gadot, uh, Gal Gadot, um, who else? Stephen A. Smith. Oh, that was different. I, I remember they brought out Stephen A. Smith at the like ver- very beginning of the show. That was very uh, intriguing because. It was just like, why Stephen A. Smith? Which he said the same thing, which was just funny. So the way that they did or just um, pivoted from the in-person to, to only having the people come through to, through like Zoom call or whatever was very nice. So, or just very smart. Like it was a nice 
um, adjusting. It was a nice adjustment. So, 2020 Game Awards was pretty great, in my opinion. Uh, three hours of entertainment. A lot of game reveals. Speaking on Mass Effect, where I talked about my last podcast, when you can see that. when I mean, you can listen to that now. Um, and then also other games that was announced. But, you know, you know what this podcast is. So, we're definitely going to highlight that Mass Effect teaser trailer. So, go check that out if you want to. So... Um, yeah, that's all I really had to talk about with the 2020 Game Awards. Uh, the, the Last of Us Part 2 basically ran the whole show. So, that's all I really had to say about that. Uh, click my link in my bio. Let me know what do you think of the game. What do you think of The Last of Us Part 2 winning so many awards at the Game Awards show? So, yeah. Now, we're going to switch it up and get into... The, now, we're going to switch it up and get into pop culture. Okay, getting into pop culture, this was very much the talk of the week as um, a very popular game came out. When I say popular, I mean one of the most anticipated games. Like you would have think, you would have thought this was GTA 6, the way that the hype was building up around this game. But this game has now been out for like a week or two, and fans are starting to see that it's not um, what it was presenting (laughs) let's just say that so what i'm talking about is cyberpunk 2077 has officially offered refunds because the game has so many bugs that's been been reported by so many different players who have played the game most of these complaints and and bugs have came from console So, CD Projekt Red is one offering refunds for everybody who who bought Cyberpunk 2077 on Xbox and PS4. Well, I don't know. I think just consoles in general, uh, in in general, because of poor performance and technical glitches on console. The comp- I'm gonna I'm gonna get through all of these. I'm gonna get through all of these like statements they put out before I, I get to the jokes because I best believe like. Oh, how to like how the you know how they say like how the mighty have fallen that that's how I feel with this game and eventually coming to light um the company will roll out new updates over the next few months to fix the biggest problems gamers have faced on PlayStation 4 not in a couple days not in a week or two they said probably would take to February to fix all the chain all the all the bugs and glitches then we have um, a logistic stat as shares of CD Projekt have slumped roughly 27% since the game launched on December 10th, which a lot of people thought when Cyberpunk came out, the stock was going to just skyrocket. But it has done the opposite and it has plummeted. So cyberpunk 2077 was the highly most anticipated game of 2020 and that's why they thought it was going to go crazy when the game came out like as far as stock wise and sales for the company but when the when the word basically when people found out how buggy the game was sort of like mass effect and drama they the stock the sales started to plummet and the fans started to kill the the developers and just really just 
piled on them with complaints about the bugs and poor performances and glitches on their consoles on their respective consoles because it's on both it's not just one and it's not just a certain console like it's on multiple consoles so it got so bad the backlash from cyberpunk 2077 having so many bugs and just how bad the base versions of the ps4 and the xbox one uh versions of cyberpunk 2077 were that cd project red literally came out with a statement and said that you can get your refund if you want it <laughs> like they literally came out and said if you don't want to wait for us to fix the game you can you can you can uh get your refund which is basically what this is. i mean they have a whole statement but as y'all already know i don't like you know I mean? i'm not trying to read all that like nobody has time to read all those paragraphs and then and convoluted words and bunch of complex sentences just to tell you that you can get a refunds and we're trying to fix the game that's basically what they were saying there was nothing that this little piece they put out accomplished other than to tell the gamers hey we know we we know our game is buggy too and if you want a refund you can but this game probably not gonna get fixed till February. That's basically the whole thing. So if you wanna read it, you can, but I, I basically just summed up the whole thing for you. So you didn't have to, or you don't have to. And also they were saying that we should have uh, paid more attention to making it play better. They said CG Project Red came out after they didn't delayed the game months after months years after years this game was announced in 2013 it is 2020 they said we should have paid more attention to making it play better on playstation 4 and xbox one so i guess seven years wasn't enough i don't know what they was doing for those seven years like they must have been spending the they must have been giving that bag to the, the marketers because best believe this this game has been marketed well it's just the marketing is off like the marketing something that's not the true product it's like marketing a mcdonald's sandwich and then you get there and they give you like some some lettuce and, and some uh some bread uh like two two loaves of like some bread and, and just tell you to make something like it, it's it's like you you promise one thing and then you get there and it's totally something else like it's not something else but like the the game literally what they showed off with the reviewers because the reviewers came out and literally said that cd project red specifically told them not to show any of their gameplay so remember when i was talking about when cyberpunk 2077 no early reviews and why i was making that such a big deal like last week this is really why i've heard from multiple people who like i trust in the gaming industry that whenever a game doesn't let the reviewers put out the reviews a week before the game actually comes out it's always bad news so if a game has reviews that come out two or three days before the actual game and they're still holding stuff back that's even worse so that's the that was the case with cyberpunk 2077 and the, the fans just i don't I, the, the fans really are giving a lot of leeway to cd project red instead of holding them accountable because you have rockstar type expectations when you announce this game and now you're just proving how big of a company rockstar is because they never really run into it you never really run into these type of things 
you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who has a ps4 version that hasn't ran to a to a single bug on cyberpunk 2077 every time somebody talks about playing this game on console they're like oh it's a great game if only i could get through it like there's literally multiple game breaking bugs in the game that doesn't let you advance to the next check checkpoint which reminds me a lot of mass effect andromeda a game which i enjoyed but also ran into bugs so i i never run it like i never really run into bugs like that and to, to just to spend 60 dollars for a game that doesn't even work it's not as bad as what square enix did with marvel avengers because at least this is a good game but at the same time like giving fans a broken product would never amount to much when you in in the long run like the only last the last time it actually worked was a cd project red game but they said that they that game was one of the greatest ever in the witcher 3 and i don't hear too many people saying that cyberpunk 2077 is anything innovative they're literally comparing it to deus x and some other game i forget but it is nothing like changing it's nothing mind-blowing the the biggest thing the biggest innovation about this game that a lot of people are saying is that the city is very dense which doesn't mean it's bigger but it's very dense so it's not a lot of just places just to have a place like it, it there's a lot of things to do in the city but at the same time it's a lot of bugs that won't let you do those things in the city so it's you might as well not even be able to do them because the game won't let you which is unfortunate for people who really anticipate i stopped anticipating this game as highly when it got delayed like the fourth time so i gave it a lot of leeway but i don't know how many game times this game got delayed but it, it was a it was a lot and eventually it, it caught up with them because they should have just said that this game wasn't ready to come out and stop giving us release dates to eventually push it back because at first I thought they was dodging Last of Us Part 2. But now I'm just seeing that their game just really was broken and it wasn't ready to come out. They said that this game may be fixed in February. Gamers really don't want to wait that long just to just for a, a playable game so cd project red said they can get a refund for their copy which is very unfortunate and just a sad story overall because like nobody wanted this game to fail people wanted this to be the next gen type game like they wanted this to be the next generation of shooters but i, I mean the game just came out and, and it didn't do any the only thing it did that it pro the only thing that it delivered on as far as like what they promised was the story they i've heard the story is just tremendous like this the story is great really keeps you engaged from when you start to when you finish i heard the prologue is like five hours so they definitely have story to to waste like they have a lot of story to throw around so and that's just one tree like there's like three different trees you can go through you can go through nomad street kid or corporate and the prologue i think is basing off of what you choose in those three paths but i think it eventually gets you to one i think after the prologue you get to the main story so but yeah and then the shares of cd project red like i said fell 11 uh, percent on monday and the company stock price slumped to like uh it went down like roughly 27 percent since the game launched in december 10th 
A lot of people had hoped that Cyberpunk 2077 would be CD Projekt Red's biggest hit since The Witcher 3. But right now, it's looking like one of the buggiest games of all time. Like one of the worst launches of all time. Which, not sales-wise, just critique and legacy-wise. Which is... is the Witcher 3 overcame that, so hopefully Cyberpunk 2077 can do the th same thing, but CD Projekt Red has officially solidified their legacy as making great games, but just unplayable because of bugs. Which isn't the worst problem to have, I mean at least you can make great games, but you have to get to a point where making playable games are just as important as making great games because it, it no matter like it's like having a monopoly game that's missing all the pieces like there's just no matter how good the game is if you can't play it then there's no point in no point in putting it out if it's unplayable which is why they kept delaying it and they they just handled that situation situation wrong too they should have just the second time they delayed it they should have just said that um, the release day is to be decided like it's, it's went back in develop it's back in development because we don't know how to make games that aren't buggy but instead they kept pushing it back just teasing fans and eventually put it out for the fans to play found out it was a, unplayable because of bugs and then they got mad at CD Projekt Red CD Projekt Red basically said we're not we're not gonna be able to fix all this till February and and even that's a stretch like that's like another postponement just we have the game now we're not going to be able to fix this game till february and if you can't deal with it then get a refund <laughs> like that's basically what they came out and said so yeah that, that that was definitely unfortunate and you never want to see a, a company go out like that but as far as cd project red i'll be hard pressed to see them winning any type of major award unless they really fix everything in february because the Game Awards happened this month, so they have a long time before the next Game Awards come around to change perception. Because I'm pretty sure they want that Game of the Award, uh, Game of the Year award. Because Keanu Reeves was at the Game Awards um, that just happened, and that was probably a little, you know, they sometimes have people show up, be like, if you don't show up, we're not gonna give you an award. So they literally showed up to a war, uh, to a Game Awards show. They wasn't, they didn't have any nominations. I think in hopes of probably doing the same thing that the last of us 2 did last of us part 2 did with in the game awards like they they i would guess that they want they want at least three plus awards at the game awards show next year so for them to put this type of product out for the fans that's just completely littered with bugs like you look up cyberpunk cyberpunk 2077 bugs on twitter i'm, I'm telling you it, it's stuff that you wouldn't even like like, cause me, I can handle bugs, but the stuff that's happening, whole tanks just spawning out of nowhere. Literally somebody, it was somebody in a wheelchair, an NPC, a guy like, and then the player went up and pushed him a little bit. And the, literally the guy in the wheelchair got up and, and ran away. Cause it was like a canned animation, but it didn't make sense. Cause the guy was in the wheelchair. So it's just, and then that, that was just something little, like don't even there's other things where people was using a phone as, as a gun <laughs> using a gun as a phone uh there was another one where it was this girl character and she looked in the mirror and her her wig didn't process yet so it was just all like throughout most of the, her playthrough like it never popped up and it's just stuff like that that just makes a game just it just takes you out of the immersion you play games to get away from reality 
and for cyberpunk 2077 to be littered with so many bugs it, it's not a reality you're trying to escape into that's not something you're trying to dive into so that's all i really have for cyberpunk 2077 and this many bugs hopefully it fixes the game and i can give this an actual actual review because of right now there's no point in giving a review because the game is literally unplayable on base consoles now as far as pc players you're you are def there's no platform safe from cyberpunk 2077's bugs but you will get less bugs and it's more playable on pc i could say it's actually playable on pc but yeah, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know what do you think of Cyberpunk 2077's bugs. And do you think that it's as of a big deal because the story is so great? So yeah, that's all I had for that. And uh, getting into the overview of the pod. For the quote of the pod, we talked about Chance the Rapper. And we talked about his manager suing him because his album was trash. But actually, and in, in all... like. Like in all seriousness, I think his manager was just wanting more money because COVID happened. He was just like, this could be a good way to sue a rapper and get money from it. But I don't think Chance the Rapper is in the wrong too much. Getting into music, we have Kid Cudi. And um, we talked about him. We talked about his album and just it being just one of the greatest albums to come out this year. Almost my favorite album, but you know, with me in the weekend, that like the weekend put out one of the greatest projects I think of 2020. Uh, then we got into gaming with the Game Awards show 2020 winners, and we talked about how The Last of Us Part Two literally took over the whole show, and the other people that they was nominated with, they was just there just to watch The Last of Us Part Two celebrate every single one of their six awards. So. Then we got to pop culture, ended off with talking about the great Cyberpunk 2077, but as great as it was, the bugs was even greater. <laughs> and it was littered, it was very, very unplayable for base consoles. Base, uh, consoles. So yeah, that's about it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in to the Notorious Mass Effect podcast. And don't be afraid to send me a voice message letting me know what you think of the show. What you want me to talk about in the next episode? Also, click my link tree in my bio to access my social medias and follow to keep up with my latest and greatest activities. <laughs> and make sure to share this podcast and rate this five stars as this helps the show reach more people so we can grow together and affect the masses. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Notorious Mass Effect.